The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Rastari, and you're listening to Mentoring Moments, a podcast where smart, witty, and bold women are sharing their triumphs and their skids. We aren't just talking, we're taking action, and we're inviting you to join us every week in my New York City apartment. And here's an action that you can take that will help keep mentoring moments free. It's by taking a really simple survey. It's short and anonymous. It takes less than five minutes and there are two ways to do it. Go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. And as always, huge thanks for supporting Mentoring Moments. I'll be sending positive vibes your way, like really big positive vibes. Hashtag just do it. And joining me today, sitting across the table with a smile that she just lights up the room, is Carrie Hammer. Welcome. Thank Welcome. you for having me. I'm this so is great. Ex- I'm so excited. And I'm going to introduce you, and then we're going to kick right into our mentoring moments. Perfect. So for everyone, you know when you see that gap in the market and you think, ooh, I wish someone would fill it or it needs to be filled, and you think maybe I should fill it? Well, that's what Carrie did. She saw a gap in the marketplace. She was working and she couldn't find really great clothes that fit really well, that were good for the workplace. And so she said, I'll make them. And But she didn't have a degree from FIT or Parsons or any of those places. She's a graduate of economics and women's studies at UCLA. So she went back to school, got a degree, studied fashion, and then she launched her fashion brand, which is her namesake brand, Carrie Hammer. But it gets better than that. In her debut fashion show during the New York Fashion Week in February of 2014, Carrie launched role models, not runway models. Her models are real women, real sizes. They're real models. She was the first person to ever do this. And speaking of real, here's a really big number. She has over 1 billion, with a B, 1 billion media impressions in three years with no PR agency. Now, if anybody follows Carrie on social media, you'll see why that is very possible. She has like the best Instagram photos, Facebook Carrie's also a Forbes under 30. And as I said, you need to follow her on Instagram. Just follow her everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I, I don't know, Carrie. I, I have a little FOMO as I watch you, I have to say. It's oh like, gosh. I'm missing out. I want to be Carrie. So here's my mentoring moment to kick it off with. When I was at USA Today and I was promoted to vice president, there were a lot of people who were happy for me. And there were people who were not happy for me. And I want to go back. I never intentionally tried to be vice president. I didn't have signs up on my wall. I didn't knock people over to get there. I never even thought it was mine to be had, which is another mm-hmm. story entirely. Totally. But I say that because I, did, I wasn't that ambitious woman, like clawing my way to this position. I was just always doing what I needed to do to get the job done. So anyway, so I'm promoted and some of my peers think they should have been promoted. And one woman in particular, I'm going to change her name to, we'll call her Nancy. So at the same time, I was going through years of infertility treatment and I was in like year five of this long, horrible process of doing shots and just, you know, it's just a horrible process when you're not, when it's not successful. It's a great process when it's successful. So Nancy is pregnant 
and we're now going to a meeting. I have the job she wants. She's pregnant. And I look at her and I say, I really love your dress. It's really pretty. She has a maternity dress on. And this is 23, 24 years ago when we were wearing maternity, like pee in the pod was the big thing, right? Maternity clothes were the big thing. And I compliment her on it. And I'm not at all jealous that she is, I, I swear this, I'm not at all jealous she's pregnant. I'm happy for her that she's pregnant. And she looks at me and she says, thanks, you know, this morning when I was getting dressed and I was trying to figure out what to wear, looking through all my new maternity clothes, I thought about you and I thought, Denise will never have this problem because she'll never have to wear maternity clothes. Oh, God. I know. That's, <laughs> and you know, this is 25 years ago. I, and so I take that deep breath. We go down in the elevator I can't even speak. Like I can't even speak now as I repeat this story. We get on the elevator, we get in the cab, and I have to say, the thought of opening the door and pushing her out did enter my mind. Yeah. But knowing that I'd live my life in jail for that was not like I wasn't the, the the ROI just wasn't there on that. But I did have that feeling of I cannot even be in the same car with you right yeah. now. And that was always a lesson, not even a lesson, because I hope I had never was ever would do that to someone. But I pass that on to women and women of all ages to say, don't be jealous. Don't mm -hmm. be envious. There is no win in that at all. There's right. none. It's a scarcity mentality. You know, if you're jealous that someone has a job you have, first of all, it's a job. It's a job. Okay. Let's keep that in mind. Right. If you'd want that job, go find a job you want. If you can't have it, mm -hmm. you know, if you say, well, that person just got promoted and that job won't be mine for, I can't even get to close to that job until she leaves. And when is she leaving? Go somewhere else, but don't let it infect you right. to that point that you become that person that just goes so low and that, that it bothers you so much that you become this horrible human being. Right. So that's it. It's just like, don't let jealousy take over because there is absolutely no win in it. There, what's that quote, great quote? Um, jealousy or anger is like holding hot coal and thinking your opponent will be burned. Oh, I'd never heard that. So say that again. So jealous, uh, jealousy or anger is like holding tightly onto a hot coal and thinking your opponent will be burned. Right. That's it only right. hurts right. you. Right. It, it's so true. It doesn't do anyone any good. Is it going to get her my job? No. Right. I mean, and you're going to hurt me. What good does that do? It doesn't make anything better. Right. It's just, it's just a mentality. And as I was telling that story, Carrie, you were nodding your head. I think we all have those stories. Absolutely. Of people doing those things to us. Yeah. A hundred percent. Man, I've experienced tons of, you know, anger and jealousy as, you know, my profile has, has raised. But the one thing I really have realized is that as you start to experience a lot more success, you'll see those who are on, I, I joke, I call it like the carry train. <laughs> you, you see those who are on your train and those who aren't, and they make themselves really evident to you. And it's almost a blessing because you want to be surrounded by the people who are on board and who are there unconditionally and who will be there for the ups and downs and, you know, the derailments. But you want another favorite quote of mine is, um, look for those who aren't clapping when you succeed. And when, yeah, cause it's it, great. It's really powerful. Yes. And my thing is I only surround myself now. I had to learn this lesson the hard way, kind of like you did. Um, I only surround myself with people who clap when I succeed. 
and say, keep going, keep going higher. This is amazing. Right. So that's something that's really important for anyone who wants to carve their own path. Yeah. And if you go higher, it doesn't mean they can't go higher. That's where we get so confused in thinking exactly. that there really is one seat there and there isn't. Right. So if they're clapping for you and you go higher, maybe there's something you can help them because you're higher and, and you as a person for sure will bring that person with you and those people and bring them up right. however you can. Yeah. Well, just, I want to say yeah, one more go. thing on that. Um, I believe that success is not a zero sum game. And I think it's so widely believed that it is actually, I think success begets success for everyone. And my favorite, another one of my favorite quotes, everyone's going to be like, carry in our quotes. I have all these quotes. quotes. I have vision boards. I have quotes. I have Pinterest vision boards. I love these things. I want to talk about your vision boards. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about them. And my other favorite quote is um, rising tide raises all ships. So I think when someone in my circle wins, it's a win for everyone. When I win, it's definitely a win for everyone in my circle because the more success I have, the more I can help everyone around me. And I think if we shift to this mindset, like you said, away from scarcity and towards abundance, like, wow, people winning around me means like there's like we all get to win more. Amazing. So then we'd all help each other. So I, my, my thing is all about win, win, win. I'm with you. And it's, it's just great. I mean, there, there is no bad thing about it. And so if we could just, and especially now in the times we're in where we're feeling so divided as a country that we, I think we really do have to help each other more than ever Mm. to, to stick together and to really help each other get to where we want to go. And that's professionally and personally, right? It's not just professionally. It's that we need to be those great friends that will help each other when times are good and when times are not good. Absolutely. Well, and that's like a good point. I think a lot of successful people think they can only lean on their friends or, or, you know, call up their friends when things are good. And this is something I've personally experienced. I know a lot of my successful friends have experienced this. It's, it's hard to admit vulnerability or even ask for help. So that's something I really recommend to a lot of women, a lot of entrepreneurs, everyone ask the people around you for help when you need it. People love helping other people. You're doing people a great honor to be able to help you. And that's something I'm working on personally. You know, that's one of my 2017 goals. In what way? Is, is to reach out for help or advice or mentorship um, when I need it. Don't okay. wait. Don't wait for it to be offered. And do you find because you are successful that people think you don't need help? Yeah. It's like, well, Carrie's there and look at her. She's an Instagram and look, she's with Gloria Steinem and she's with Diane von Furstenberg. She doesn't need help. Absolutely. And guess what? Even Gloria Steinem needs help and advice and mentorship. Diane von Furstenberg needs things. And that's, that's, I think some of our success paradigm and problem is the more, the higher you rise, the more invincible you are perceived to be. And then the people who are in those positions, and I've certainly experienced this, I'm afraid to break that barrier. I'm like, well, I can't let anyone know I'm not invincible because everyone thinks I'm invincible. So I better keep on that facade of invincibility, but we all have weaknesses. We're all human. We all need help. We can't possibly know everything. And if we think we do, you know, that's dumb. Right. It is dumb. And it's just boring. <laughs> it's boring. And right. that's not fun. And people like to be needed. I love it when somebody asks me for help and ideas and I, I feel like useful and I, and I can like dig in. And so why wouldn't I think that somebody else would want to do that for me? 
Right. And I find that you learn when you're helping someone else, right? Yeah. Because you're you're learning what they're doing or what situation they're in. So it's it's mutually right. beneficial to both parties, even though you're doing with the intent intent to help them. I always find that I learn. And I remember years ago, I was talking to I was in my twenties and I was talking to a woman. We were friendly and she was having she was in a bad relationship and she was taught we were talking about it and I would always listen. And one day she said to me, I just wish you would tell me something that's not going great in your life. Not because Mm. I want something bad in your life, but I feel like I can't relate. I feel like everything in your life is perfect and my life is falling apart. Totally. And I never meant to give that up. I was thinking, I'm just want to listen and help her. And I never realized, and this is how I started to realize how important it is to share our stories Yes. because I wasn't sharing my stories with her. I thought my role as a good friend is to listen to her mm. and to help her, but not to like get vulnerable with her. Right. And, and I really learned that, that she wanted to hear from me, not just bad things, but just stories. She just wanted to get into my life. So she can learn too. And I think that's the number of one thing that I've learned in the past few years. The second we're vulnerable, not only does it allow the other person to be vulnerable, but you actually can form much deeper, much more connected, much more beautiful relationships because you trust someone with your like most soft like sensitive part of your soul. And once you open that up to somebody, they, they hold that and they cherish that and they, they take that seriously or or hopefully they do. And and if they do, that's someone you want to keep in your life. And when I am, whenever I am vulnerable with friends or, um, with new people I meet, it, it lends to the most amazing, deepest and most supportive relationships. I agree. Now we're going to get into your mentoring moment. I want to hear what... Speaking of vulnerability. (laughs) uh, So my mentoring moment, of which I've had millions, and that's what my whole movement is based on, role models, not runway models. And I'm sure we'll go into that a little bit, but I think role models are the most important thing we can have as women, is to show women um, and young women, strong women who have led the way and who have done extraordinary things. So I think mentors and role models are actually the most important thing for, for us. So one of my earlier mentoring moments that actually changed the course of my life. I was trying to think when you first asked me, what's your mentoring moment? But I thought way back and I was like, there was one moment in particular that changed the whole course of my life where I'm not sure I'd be doing any of this stuff if it weren't for that. And that goes all the way back to sixth grade. It's my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. B, Mrs. Baumgartner. And I entered a new school. We moved and I, and there were sixth grade was the time where they started breaking out math levels and there were four math levels and I was new and I was disinterested and I wasn't turning in homework and I've felt kind of socially alienated and awkward. So I was, I was just a little tuned out and So they put me in the lowest math class, which, you know, can have really devastating long-term effects going into high school, college opportunities. Um, But of course, in sixth grade, I'm not thinking about that. So she pulls me aside one day after class and she goes, Carrie, you're better than this. You're smarter than this. I'm going to sit with you every day after school until 
we get you into the math class you deserve. And she, she was right. And we sat every day and she worked with me through the math problems and she brought me up into the next level and then the next level. And then the fourth level, the highest level of which I got the best grade in the class. And I look back on that moment and in high school, I ended up winning the math award and I was an economics major in college. And had she not said, I see you, I know you're better than this. I know you're smarter than this. And taking me aside, I don't know what would have happened. And also her just saying, I believe in you made me like lit that, relit that fire in me and made me believe in myself. And I feel like think people think mentoring and they're like, oh, it's a process and it's ours and we're going to have to do this whole thing. Um, but it can just be as little as like seeing someone being like, I see you, I know your potential and I believe in you. I think that's at the very base level. That's what mentorship is, is believing in somebody else and seeing their light when they don't see it. And of course, shepherding it along the way. And that's what Mrs. Baumgartner did for me at a, at a very young level. And of course I've had many, many other amazing mentors along the way, but I, I think that was a very pivotal moment for me. And I, that is such a wonderful story, and it's so meaningful. And I think we go through that as adults, right? It's the people that see the things in us. It's the right. things we see in other people that we don't always see in ourselves. Right. That someone else is looking at you and saying, you know, you have this ability, right. but for whatever reason, we just cannot see it. Right. And it needs to be opened up, and we're able to grab onto it and do something with it, but we can't do it on our own. Right. So I think that's a wonderful, wonderful story, Carrie, and I hope it encourages everyone to Whenever we see someone that has that potential, that has that spark, that isn't where they should be, right? that we reach out to them. Don't wait for them to reach out to us. Absolutely. Right? And reach out to them. And it doesn't even have to be Mrs. B and the shepherding part through that. Right. right? It's just get the person started. Give them the confidence that they need. Show them you right. see them. And I think that's, uh, Denise, I think that's such a good point. And that's something I've been trying to do more of lately. If I, I have a new rule. If I think something positive about something, someone, I say it out loud. And that can be as little as like cute scarf on the subway, or that can be as big as, wow, I think you are one of the most powerful leaders I've ever seen. And I really, you know, aspire to be like you. Cause I think we think these things about people, but never say them out loud. And for whatever reason, and I, it's so powerful when we say them out loud. People have said things to me and, and said I've affected them in ways where I could have, I would have never known. And it fuels me. Yes. And so you never know when you're going to, you know, reverse fuel somebody. So I think it's really powerful to, to put into words what you're thinking when it's something positive. And I think it's even something as small as you were saying, like, oh, that's a nice scarf. Yeah. Think about when someone says, I'll speak for myself. When someone says that to me, like if I'm walking down the street and someone will stop and say, what a great dress. There's a different beat in your step that moment on. You don't even know the person. And so, but it's just like somebody recognizes what I'm doing. It's just that it's great to be complimented. It's great for someone to recognize you. It's really great to be recognized. And so to be able to do that for others, I do that all the time. My husband and I, we laugh all the time. If I'm walking, like if I'm talking to someone at a store or whatever, I'll always look for something about her and tell her 
what's great about her. Because I think if we all do that, then how much better will her day be? Where can she go with feeling? Because we don't know where people are. We don't know what their lives are, right? We don't know what their parents are like. Have they been told all their lives you're a loser? We don't know any of that, right? We don't know what's going on in their heads. So I think if we can start feeding all the good stuff, into people's heads. When you give a compliment, you're not just giving one because compliments are contagious. So whoever is getting the compliment on being a powerful leader or the scarf, they're, I think, much more inclined to do it themselves because they recognize how amazing they feel. So I've told people that this is my policy. Anytime I see something or think something positive, I say it and they're like, I'm going to adopt that. So everyone who's listening, if you could adopt that, that would be phenomenal. So can we call it like the compliment movement? The compliment movement. By Carrie Hammer. It started here. Yeah. (laughs) Another first by Carrie Hammer. Exactly. I I like it. Let's do it. About first, let's talk about your models and the runway. So how did you come up with that idea? So it came about really organically. It's turned into this huge movement, but that's not how it started. So I was asked to show, I'm a designer for my line, Carrie Hammer, and I was asked to show at New York Fashion Week two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now. And when I was asked to show, my stylist and I were kind of going through the checklist of, okay, what do you need in a fashion show? She's like, okay, we need to be thinking about DJs. We need to be thinking about lighting. We need to think about styling. And we need to be thinking about, you know, blah, 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 models. What are we doing for models? Are we holding a model casting, et cetera? And I was like, oh, and she like, there are people could see you She's rolling your eyes. Oh yeah. No, literally. <laughs> that's, head, that's exactly how I, in her hands. I, yeah. My head's in my hands. I'm rolling my eyes. Cause that's how exactly how I feel about that industry as it stands. And I said, Angie, God, I just don't feel comfortable casting traditional models when all of our clients are such role models. And I said that line, and I'm sure you who are listening have had an experience like this where you say something and you're just like, oh, that's it. So I said, oh my gosh, Angie, we're going to do role models, not runway models. So that first show, I said, okay, let's just call up all of our clients who are amazing and who are role models to walk that show and didn't really think too much of it. And so that first show, we had extraordinary women, the head of the Google Fiber Project, the founder of The Daily Show, head of new products at ABC World News, like amazing women. And it it just went extraordinarily viral for the concept. And then also there was a huge New York Fashion Week first, which we didn't even know at the time. One of my clients, um, Dr. Danielle Shapuck, is a famous doctor and sex therapist. And she happens to be in a wheelchair. She's had um, a disability her whole life. And she's a very famous and amazing sex therapist. So she was put on our runway for her accomplishments. And because she's really stylish, she owns like 30 pairs of Louboutins. I love her. And when she was on our runway, a news um, outlet found out and did their research that she was the first ever model on the runway who happened to be in a wheelchair during New York Fashion Week. And it went all over the world. And Danielle and I got 300 emails from girls and mothers with girls with disabilities saying, thank you. I've never seen myself reflected through the lens of beauty. I, I want a model now. And that was a huge realization for me. I was like, wow, people don't see themselves reflected in advertising, whether it because, be because of your age, your shape, your color, your ability. This is really important for me to show women 
A, you're reflected, and B, beauty isn't just skin deep. It's three-dimensional. I mean, you, you watch one of my runway shows, Google it, Carrie Hammer Runway. and you'll great. I've, I've been to them live, but everybody do take her up on that. Google it. Google it, and you'll it's see great. these you'll see these women, and they are just sashaying like you've never seen a runway model. Because I always joke, they don't have to fake it because they're the real deal. They have the confidence. They have the beauty inside and out. And that's what I want to show women and young women, that it's about role models. It's about being a three-dimensional, beautiful woman. And that's what beauty really is. And we've really jumped the shark in the fashion and beauty industry with this really faux definition of beauty. And my whole life's goal is to change that. Which is a wonderful, and you're doing such a great job at it. And Thank it's so you. authentic for you. That's why I think it's worked for you, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, the more I'm with you, and we've known each other on a superficial level, saying we've been at events together, but not really sitting down talking. And we got together earlier before the podcast and we were talking. And it just comes out, Carrie, that it's mm. your authenticity and it's genuinely who you are yeah. that you want to make the world a better place. You want to help women. And it's just wonderful because it's not a gimmick. It's not no. a, I'm going to do this and this will get me some press. That is no. not who you are, which makes it just so wonderful. I joke that I want to be the CMO for women, you know, right. just uh, to help change how women are, how the feminist movement is perceived, how women are perceived in advertisements and beauty and fashion. It, I think the way we see women is the way we treat women. And until we change the way we see women, we're not going to change the way we treat women. So it really is clear to me that my life imperative is changing that. Right. And you have a great, you have great platforms to do it. I just think what you're doing, I just love it. I love Thank it, you. love it, love it. Yeah. And I'm glad it comes off as authentic because it is, it's what I care about. And, uh, you know, people are always worried when you do something that's very contrarian. They're like, aren't you worried what people are going to say? Are you worried about negative press? Are you worried about negative comments? And I was like, people can say or write or do whatever they want. I know at the very core essence of my being who I am and what I stand for. And People can interpret it the way they will, but this is what I am and this is who I am. And I think you can only make really bold moves if you know exactly who you are and what you stand for and if you're really willing to fight for it. And I'm willing to fight for it. I go to the mat for it. And that is one of the best lessons I know is to really say, I believe in this so much that I don't care. Right. What I, if, if somebody wants to knock me down for whatever reason, whether it's a jealousy reason or whatever the, the reason is, it's not going to knock me down. Right. They can do whatever they want. And I think for women, especially because we are so into that approval right. so often, right? We want everyone to like us. We want to be the good girl. We're always seeking approval. That's hard to jump over to the other side and saying, I believe in this. I'm going to do it. And if people don't agree with me, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Where do you get that from? Because that's, that's hard. It's tough. I mean, it took me a while. I certainly didn't have it at the very beginning, but once I started getting people writing me and telling me how much it changed their lives, I'm like, okay, I get it. This isn't just for me and this isn't just for my fashion show and this isn't just for my fashion line. I'm working for for women. And w once I realized I had such a larger uh, like stake in the game and once I realized it was how important it was, I could remove my ego from it. I was like, okay, Carrie, you have to get your ego out of the way because this is too important for your ego to be like, well, they don't like me or like this person wrote a mean article or like that troll said something like not nice. And I think people, um, respect conviction and 
the more um, confident you are and the more conviction you have around your movement, actually, I find the fewer negative articles or comments or tweets or whatever happen because they're like, wow, if she believes in it this much. She's unwavering. There's not a whole lot we can throw at her because she's not going to be taken down. And that's, that's my biggest advice. Be unwavering. And I call it true North versus magnetic North. My true North is what I believe in, what my thoughts are, what my values are. And my magnetic north is what society wants, what the traditional industry has always done, you know, what your parents want, and it pulls you. It's it's magnetic, but you have to always reorient towards your true north, and then you're unstoppable. Carrie, I just love that story. And as you can hear, my little neighbor, the little boy next door, he is so excited about finding his true north that he's just out there in the hallway screaming. And it's just another New York City apartment moment. But we're going to get into more and we're going to start off with I'm done with that. Okay. Hey, it's Jordan Harbinger. For the last 10 years, I've successfully helped people build their self-confidence with my Art of Charm podcast. And now, along with Art of Charm, I'm hosting a new show. It's Podcast One's latest program, The Forbes List. On the show, we talk to the Forbes editors that curate their famous and respected lists, like self-made richest people, billionaires, and highest-paid athletes. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut. It launches this week on February 16th. So please subscribe on iTunes to the Forbes list, and don't forget to rate us, review, and share. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. I need to give a shout out to my mom. She said I should read the newspaper before games to take my mind off things. It's become a pregame ritual, but it also is how I stay informed. Keeping up on local news, sports, or just about anything, I read the paper. So should you. Whether it's digital or print, it doesn't matter. Go to clayoffer.com and subscribe today. Local news delivered your way, digital or print. Stay informed on news that matters to you. Go to clayoffer.com. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal. Now back to Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari. So, Carrie, we're now going to do I'm Done With That. Okay. But first, I want to just say something we were just talking about, and that is that we were talking about perfection, and you said something that is great. You said we're badasses, and we just said we're not perfect, but we are badasses. Absolutely. So that is our new mantra. It's like we're not perfect, but we are badasses. Exactly. And now we're going to talk about the things we're done with that make us eat badasses. If, if you're not, if you, if you're perfect, you're not taking big enough risks. I agree. You're I not being that, yes. enough of a badass. That's right. And we all want to be badasses. I mean, who wants to be perfect when you could be a badass? Perfect is boring. Right. I remember asking B. Arthur. I, you know, B. Yeah, yeah okay. I love B. So B. declared that I was a badass one day. I said, I, I don't know. I think I might be too old to be a badass. And B. was no. like, I'm declaring you a badass. You, I was like, I'm taking it. I'm you are absolutely it. declared I'm a badass. It. I'm taking it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely a badass. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to have you on every day. <laughs> so the things we're done with. One of the things that I'm done with is waiting for things to happen Mm. and not making them happen. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we have to do things on our own. Yeah. But if there's something we want to have happen, we need to lead the way. We need to put the idea into the universe. We need to make it happen. And so that's what I'm done with. I'm done with waiting for other people to make the things Mm. that I want to have happen to make them happen. Mm, I love that. 
the first one that comes to mind, it's not very businessy, is I'm done with sugar. Right. Watch the d- documentary Sugar Coated. It's terrifying. So it's just little, in like refined sugar? Refined sugar, okay. yeah. It, it goes into how the sugar industry covered everything up in like the 70s, like the tobacco industry. So I'm done with sugar. Whenever I cut sugar out of my diet, I feel more energy, more clarity around my ideas. Um, I, I just feel I just feel better. So, so being done with sugar, actually, you know, everyone's like, "Why are we talking about sugar in a podcast?" It actually really contributes to my clarity in thinking and ideas and happiness. I would say I've cut out ninety five percent of my sugar. You know, if there's like a piece of cake, you know, I won't have a couple bites, but uh, I feel so much better when I'm cutting out sugar. That's right. Uh, and then I'm also done with caring about what other people think. And it kind of goes back to our true north thing. Um, if I always optimize towards everyone else's satisfaction, the only person who's not going to be satisfied is me. And so I'm done optimizing towards other people's thoughts or ideas or thinking of what I should be or what my business should be. I'm only optimizing towards what feels good um, for me and my business. But and, and, I, and I think that's a wonderful one. But to make that work, you have to know what you want. Exactly. Right? You have to get clear on your true north and right. do some work around that. And so I think, I think that's the hard part is right. figuring out what it is you want and then recognizing that can change. Totally. So, and so don't make it such a big deal to come up with what you want. I mean, it right. is a big deal, but don't think I can't make this decision because it's a forever decision. Right. That can change what you want, but it's what you want now. Right. And, and give yourself a break on not being perfect in even that part. Cause I think that's where we get stuck. Right. Well, I think the biggest part of it, and, and I think you're right. And I've done that before where I was like, well, it's going to be this big thing and I'm, and it's going to reveal itself to me. And, and figuring out my true North has never been one like bang moment. It's been thousands of micro moments of following my intuition and my gut. And that's been something I've really been working on is honing my intuition. Cause anytime, and you guys listening, you know, anytime you've gone against your intuition or your gut and you're like, Oh, I, I don't know about this, or I don't know about this situation, or I don't know about this deal, but let's just like do it. It usually backfires. It's like the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. And you know going in and you look back at it and you're like, I knew that. Right. So honing my intuition and listening to it even when it doesn't feel good in the short term and it's easier to make a short term against your gut decision, uh, I I try to really listen to my gut. And that's what's helped me carve out my true north is following micro intuition moments. So do you have an example of something in the past Mm. that you've done that you would say to everyone, yeah, this is a, this is something I learned from that I wouldn't do again. Mm, the window, oh God, so many. <laughs> I mean, I've been pressured into specific terms and contracts where, you know, it's, it's, it's a line item where it says something where like, you know, I couldn't get it out of it or, um, they're asking for too much. And I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. Like it, it will only really, you know, screw me up if X, 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 Y, Z happens. Um, so I guess I won't like raise a thing about it, but I don't feel good about it. And then, you know, push comes to shove, XYZ happens and I'm having to deal with I didn't what with what I didn't feel good about just because I didn't want to quote unquote raise a stink. So you, you have to do those things up front, even though, oh, I'm gonna look difficult. Oh, I'm gonna look tempestuous. Oh, I'm gonna be annoying. No, you're doing your job. 
and following your gut and your intuition. And it, believe me, it's much more annoying to deal with the consequences of not following your intuition than um, crossing your fingers and hoping you don't have to deal with the consequences. Because right. guess and, what? You always will. <laughs> and following advice from people. Like I'll, I'll use this as an example. My brother is my attorney. Mm. He is an attorney and he's my attorney. He's right. not my attorney. But so whenever I would be doing a contract, and this was in the days when I was thinking, I'm so happy so-and-so wants to work yeah. with me. I'm just starting out. And they're a bigger name and they want to work with me. He would go through the contract and say, you really don't want to do this. And I would right. be like, Ooh, but then they may not want to do they it. They might not like me. They may not yes. hire me. Like, and he would be like, okay, then don't do it. Right. And one of the things he would always say to me is when you go into a business deal, go into it, knowing you're going to get divorced. Mm. And if you don't get divorced, that's a plus. Mm. Interesting. So make your deal saying I'm going to get divorced. And does this deal set me up? for the divorce. Mm. And so not putting bad energy into the universe. Totally. Thought was that you need to prepare yourself for that Just because if you look at the, at the facts of how many companies go under, how many partnerships dissolve, the, the majority of them don't work. Right. And so he was like, you need to protect yourself. But I would always be, oh, but then they'll have to get it back to their attorney and I'll annoy them right. and, you know, all the stupid stuff. And you're like, and then you're, and you're right. At the end of the day, you're sitting there holding a contract right. that's not good for you. Well, and the thing is, and I've experienced a uh, situation like this recently where I'm negotiating a, an overseas contract and my lawyer got back to me the red lines and I said it abroad and I experienced really inflammatory response. And at first I was really sick over it. I was like, I'm going to lose this deal. It's going to be really frustrating, blah, blah, blah. And then I sat and thought about it and I was like, you know what? This is almost doing me a favor because I don't want to get into business with anyone who is going to react that way, be that way, represent me even that way. So even if you do lose a deal because you're going back and forth on a contract or on terms or things like that, it's probably for the best. Yes. And, and those are the things where we have to get out of our, for, for me, like when I tell that story about, I was so into that, oh, they want to be with me, right. right? I'm a startup and they want to be with me. Don't let that, you've got to get rid of those thoughts and you have to give yourself the power. You have to take the power. Right. Power is not going to come to you in those situations and use your internal power to say, I'm worth something. Right. I'm valuable. They want to do business with me because I'm bringing something to the table they need. Yeah. Do you think Angelina Jolie or any big celebrity gets a contract and says, oh, goody, thanks, and right. signs and doesn't send back their notes? <laughs> right. No. Right. You know, like I think you have to just stand and be confident in who you are and what you want. And it's absolutely okay to go back and forth on a negotiation. And if you arrive at the fact that you don't agree, it's better to figure that out front than in the middle. Yes. I am going to make you CMO of women. Perfect. I think, you should, you should, I think we should all just vote you in to be CMO of women. I'm ready for the job. <laughs> now we're going to do takeaway. So I posted on Facebook saying that we were going to be recording and does somebody have a question that they want to ask you? And we got a ton because they were like, oh, you're, you're Carrie Hammer's going oh, to be on the podcast. So you're like, a, you are a celebrity. But I think this is a good one. And they were all good. But this one, I, we haven't talked about this on other podcasts. So the question is, I'd love to hear what inspired Carrie mm. to be so size inclusive. Mm. And if she found it all difficult to produce clothes in larger sizes, many retailers claim that they don't care plus sizes because they are more expensive and complicated to produce. So Carrie, her question is, what are your thoughts on sizing and why aren't they as size inclusive as mm -hmm. you are or as they should be? Right. And what do you see the future for plus size clothing? 
So that's an amazing question. I'm so glad you asked. So my goal when I started the company was to dress women, period. Women come in all shapes and sizes. My line goes up to size 36. And second of all, um, the plus size market, which I don't even like calling it the plus size market because that's differentiating women based upon their body size and it's really made up arbitrary number. So, um, I'll use it just for this conversation, but, um, I think going forward, it's going to become an irrelevant term. The quote unquote plus size market in America is 60% for retailers and for designers to not dress all women and all body types. It's just bad business. So it is not more difficult, any more difficult to make plus size clothing. Um, it is a little bit more expensive because you, um, use more fabric on some larger sizes, but it's not cost prohibitive by any stretch of the imagination. It's just the industry has been calcified in this one way of doing uh, business and doing sizing for so long, and they don't want to change their way of thinking. And I say it's time to wake up. And if you want to dress America, you need to be inclusive of all women. And if you want to be good at business, you need to address all of America and all of your customers. I just think it's a no brainer. Like people politicize it, but it's just like, it's a no brainer for me. Do you find that more people are getting into making clothing for all women or do you see it staying the same? Cause it's been a bigger conversation, but I don't see yeah. any, I don't see a difference when I go shopping. I think it will change in the next five years, five to 10 years. But, um, I think the ones that are really going to win are some of these online brands that are smart and fast and really listen to their customers. Because a lot of these uh, established um, legacy brands have a quote-unquote point of view, an artistic point of view um, that they say doesn't translate over to the plus-size market. And I, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast, but I think it's bull. Right. <laughs> and, um, but if they want to leave out half of revenue dollars, I just think that's silly. I agree. It makes no, it makes no sense. Yeah. It just makes no sense. Okay. So Carrie, I want to hear about your vision boards Yes. because I've been thinking I want to do one. So I need to know how to do one. But tell me what you do. So I, <laughs> I do a lot of different visioning exercises. Uh, but Every year for the new year, I do a physical vision board, take a bunch of magazines, put them on a board. I hang it above my bed. So I look at it every day, but I use Pinterest a ton for work and for life. And I have a bunch of different vision boards on my Pinterest and I just use different mantras and quotes and images of what I want my life to look and feel like. And I think even different than what you want your life to quote unquote look like, it's really important to know what you want your life to feel like. Because we don't always know what it's going to look like because we we don't know what the world's even going to look like in 10 years. But we can always know the way we want to feel. And I want to feel energized and enthused and excited and creative. And so I put images that make me feel that way and then kind of follow the breadcrumbs from there. 
And how do you feel that that gets you? Because I, I know people that do vision boards. Tammy yeah. Tibbetts. Yeah, yeah. Right? She and I do vision boards together. Right. And she believes so much in them. And people heard me talk about Tammy on the show before, but Tammy is the co-founder of She's the First. And that's how we were introduced. Carrie and I were introduced by Tammy years okay. ago. But um, she does them and she believes in them so much. Oh, yeah. She manifested her her boyfriend. Right. And she manifested her apartment. So how do you, how do you go from following the breadcrumbs to the manifestation? I think once the breadcrumbs are laid, you, I don't know if you've ever like been introduced to a company or a person or a thing. And once you kind of like us, once we're introduced, I started seeing you everywhere. Right. And, um, had we not been introduced, we probably would have been in all the same rooms, but I never would have seen you. And I feel like that's how it is with vision boards. Once you put it down and like draw a line in the sand and say like, I'm looking for this apartment. I'm looking for this business partner. I'm looking for, you know, this man, then you start seeing them in the room. And I think that that's what vision boarding does. It grounds what you want in reality, and then you start seeing it everywhere. So that applies into something we were talking about earlier when we were talking about as women, we're sometimes we're, we date people, we date men or mm-hmm. other people because they want, they find us. We right. don't find them. Yeah. That's something my friend pointed out to me, I think this past year, she goes, Carrie, women in historically have been chosen. A man says, I like you. And then women say, okay, I like you or I don't. But we as women, we need to start choosing and co-choosing, choosing each other. So that's something that me and my friends are starting to do. We're starting to say, we choose him. And I think that's something that's really powerful. I love the co-choosing. Yeah. And I look at my husband and I, and we, co- we, it's hard to forget. Yeah. Make sure he chooses yeah. you too. At the yeah. End. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We chose each other. I mean, it really was that we were both equals. We both, it wasn't that we found one of us found each other. We really did choose each other. Right. And there's a big difference. It's hard to describe it, but you know it when it's there, right? It's hard 100%. to put into words what that is, but you just know that because we prior to that, everyone I dated were, were people that were at my life at the right time, at the right place, right? right? It wasn't with that intent of this is what I want my life to be. Or they pursued you and you were like, okay, this, like, he seems great, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, yes. it, I think there's something very powerful in the intentionality of it. And it kind of goes back to the vision boarding saying, this is the kind of person I want in my life and choosing those traits and choosing that person and, and knowing what you want. And the same with jobs. So, okay. I know Tammy, I've been saying to Tammy for the longest time, I'm going she, to well, do she's a vision the best. board. She's I know, I, I am going to do this because I do think, I watch you, you're so magical, mm-hmm. the magical things that happen with Tammy and I want the magic. So as I said, I'm tired of waiting for people to do the things. I'm, okay. So this is the one of the things I'm going to do. Well, it's really easy to do on Pinterest too. And watch out. It's a black hole. You'll be in there for okay. hours. That's just <laughs> what I need is one more black hole in life. But the thing is, it's, it's a black hole of magic. Right. It's okay, okay to go down a black hole okay. of magic. Okay. Black hole of magic. Yeah. So we have to wrap up soon, but first, is there anything that you want to talk about that we, you, I just could be on here forever with you because I just think there's so much in your head and heart to share with everyone. But is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? People, one thing I'd like to say, and we kind of covered on, touched on this earlier, is people ask me all the time, you know, you cast role models. What's a role model? How do I become a role model? Do I have to be a CEO? And my biggest thing is that everyone's a role model and a role model is someone leads by, who leads by powerful and positive examples to those around them. 
you know, I have a lot of CEOs who are nominated who I don't believe lead by powerful or positive example, and they won't walk my runway. And Mrs. B, my sixth grade teacher, was an extraordinary role model. So that's the thing. I think a lot of people like wait for their time to be a role model, but you can be a role model today. You probably already are one. So think about the people like the two or three people within your sphere of influence that you can, um, shine a light on or see their worth and, and help raise them up and whether it's just as small as complimenting them on a scarf. And I think it's our job to be role models to those around us. And and that's just kind of what I'd leave everyone with is, is people say, how can we change the global definition of beauty? How can we move this forward? And my answer is be a role model. I think that's wonderful. And where can everyone find you? Because I want everyone to find you. Perfect. CarrieHammer.com or at CarrieHammer and um, on Facebook and Twitter and would lo- would love for, to hear any of your tweets or comments or ideas or thoughts from this. And um, I love hearing from smart, amazing people and smart, amazing women. And Carrie, I just love, love, love this. Thank you <laughs> Thank so you. much. Thank you. Okay, so I'm pumped. I love all of Carrie's quotes. And to make it easy for you to have her quotes at your fingertips, I will do a post on Forbes.com that will include Carrie's quotes. So thanks so much for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments the moment it's live, which is every Wednesday, go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate and review. So let's take some actions. Here are three things we can do right now that can make your life and the world a better place. First is, let's join the compliment movement. Go say something nice to someone. Number two, be a role model. Just lead by example. And start figuring out how you want to feel. Find your true north. Maybe even do a vision board. I'm definitely doing one. So let me know what you're doing. You can find me on Twitter, at Denise Ristari. And until next week, keep sharing your stories, because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. Hi, I'm author and director Mick Garris, inviting you to download my new podcast, Postmortem, to hear from the greatest filmmakers and creators of your worst nightmares. Check out new episodes every other Wednesday on podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Commercial real estate challenges? For 160 years, companies around the world have trusted Savills for expert guidance and perfect workspace solutions. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, 
uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.